Hey everybody and welcome back to Beena 007 Movie Reviews. I have got two films to talk about today. The first is the big release of the week, Barbie, starring Margot Robbie and by Greta Gerwig, a film all about the blonde, preposterously proportioned plastic doll. The second film I want to talk about I think is arguably better. It's very low budget indie, it's a documentary, it's niche, and it's called Squaring the Circle. So please do listen to that review as well. Okay, so first off to Barbie, which we saw yesterday evening in a cinema that was absolutely packed with people wearing pink. I have to say, I went into this expecting great things. The reviews have been phenomenal, and I did more or less have a good time, but it wasn't a five-star review film, in my opinion, more like a three-star film. It's very light. It's very fun. I think the problem is, is that it's not as profound or original in its social satire as it thinks it is. I think it's really worth seeing for Ryan Gosling, who plays Ken, and he's really the star of the film. Um, I think Greta Gerwig, the director, who I have previously really loved, she shows us how cine literate she is, and there's lots of callbacks to other films, obscure and famous. But I think she really tangles herself in knots, trying to show us how Barbie is actually a feminist icon. Um, and I think worst of all, the film is very tonally unevil. It swings from being crass comedy in the manner of Zoolander to being something that's going for something far more heartfelt. But you mash them together and you just don't know where you are. So first, the good stuff, which is all about the boys, surprisingly, in a film called Barbie. The film looks fun. The pop songs are really great. You've got pop songs by Lizzo, Dua Lipa, Billie Eilish. The soundtrack is phenomenal. The costumes are fabulous. Margot Robbie looks gorgeous as Barbie. Um, and the film has, as I said before, a sort of crass gonzo energy um, in the manner of Zoolander. And I think you can really see Ryan Gosling's Ken very much in that sort of Owen Wilson, Ben Stiller, Zoolander vibe. Incredibly good-looking people who are having existential life crises and have a very prickly vanity. I also actually really loved Michael Sarah as Ken's uh, even more overlooked sidekick, Alan. The problem is, is that these two very charismatic, hilarious male characters overshadow Barbie in her own movie. Ken's journey is one of enlightenment. He's stuck in Barbie land at the start of the film where women rule everything. And he only gets to have fun and to feel validation if Barbie looks at him. Otherwise, he's just a sidekick. And through the movie's machinations, he ends up in contemporary Los Angeles and realizes that, oh my goodness, in the real world, men really rule everything. In fact, he thinks it's men and horses, but then realizes it's just the men. And he brings back the patriarchy or the concept of the patriarchy to Barbie land and transforms himself to this sort of friend zoned loser into, you know, this uber jock ruler of all that he sees. And it's a really fun journey and ends up with him actually then coming to terms with who he really is. And is he Ken enough on his own, not just as an appendage to Barbie? It's a really lovely journey. And I think it's not a story that has been told often in contemporary cinema. You know, how normal men feel in a world that is trying to at least pay lip service to women's empowerment um, and how they come to terms with their newly assigned roles. So I think that's it's just such a fun part of the film. It felt very original. And Ryan Gosling, my word, is genuinely poignant, hilariously funny. And the kid can dance as well. By contrast, I felt that the journey that Barbie was going on from living in this wonderful Barbie land that's all about 
her wants and wishes, ending up in contemporary Los Angeles and realizing that, hey, in the real world, women have it really tough. They are not yet president. Um, It's sadly not original, right, for those of us who are women living in the real world. And when America Ferreira, who's very, very good, and she makes a really wonderful speech about two thirds of the way through the film about what it's like to be a woman in the real world, which is, you know, be pretty, but don't be too pretty that you're threatening. Be smart, but remember to also be caring and kind. Be conscious of your career, but don't be so ambitious that you threaten people. All these conflicting pressures that are put on women. It's a great speech, but it's a speech we've heard before. It resonates, but it's not original. And it also jars against the fact that Greta Gerwig and Mattel, who are obviously very involved in this film, are trying to sell us Barbie as a feminist icon. The film is trying to tell us that far from oppressing us with this unrealistic vision of beauty that none of us can ever achieve, particularly if you weren't born blonde and blue eyed. So far from being this fascistic Barbie, that Barbie was actually showing little girls that you can be president and you can be a doctor and you can have a career and you can own a house. And this was all very radical. And maybe there's something in that, but I just didn't feel that the film really sold it. And in fact, I think the character Sasha really nails it in a very early speech where she takes down Barbie and the pressure that she's placed on real women. And I'm not sure Gretel Gerwig can. Maybe it's unfair to want her to reconcile those two parts. This is a movie, after all, that is there to push merchandise. And that is very obvious because even Will Ferrell as the CEO of Mattel in this film, who you think is going to be the big baddie, as this old, stale, pale male guy who's running the show. Actually, even he basically turns out to be okay because, of course, Barbie can't skewer Mattel and Barbie can't skewer the concept of this doll because it's selling the doll. So the whole thing just felt a little bit unauthentic and fake to me, which maybe is the ultimate way you should feel after watching a movie about a plastic doll. Um, Last but not least, let's talk about tone. Um, I feel that here as well, Greta Gerwig tries to have it all. She switches very fast from sort of day-glow Barbie pink and songs by Lizzo and Dua Lipa to ethereal, mournful, existential angst in the words of Billie Eilish. I felt that this really scuppered the ending of the film where you have actually quite a heartfelt scene, maybe Margot Robbie's best scene, where she has an almost heaven can wait moment, ethereal moment with Ruth Handler, who played by Rhea Perlman, who was the real life inventor of Barbie. And it's quite a meaningful, poignant, Pinocchio-like moment about whether Barbie feels she can go back to just being a doll or now she's seen the real world, can she be a woman? And it's sandwiched between the kind of day-glow Barbie land ending for Ken and everyone, and then this kind of weird ending in the real world, which just basically gets wrapped up with a crass gyny joke. And you just think, oh, you've just undercut all that really heavy, philosophical, emotional, heavy lifting that you were doing. And my word, Greta, just pick a lane. So overall, there's a lot to love in this film. It is really genuinely funny, but it's genuinely funny whenever Ken is on screen. Whenever Barbie is on screen, I just felt it was tying itself in knots and really frustrating. So a three-star movie at best, I'm afraid. At any rate, Barbie is in cinemas everywhere. It's probably going to be a massive commercial hit. I'm sure there will be lots more films sponsored by Mattel that feature their toys. This film is rated PG-13. It has a running time of 114 minutes. I think it did have its longer within that. There were moments when I felt the attention sagged and the energy sagged. And it is on global release. 
Okay, so to go from the ridiculous to the sublime, I want to talk to you about squaring the circle, the story of hypnosis, spelt H-I-P-G-N-O-S-I-S. So hypnosis was an artistic creative duo who designed most of the famous album covers that you know from the late 60s, early 70s. So covers by Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and 10CC and Peter Gabriel and Paul McCartney and Wings. A lot of the really iconic, surreal, fantastical album covers that really influence creators to this day. Although sadly, now we live in an online world, I guess kids these days don't even know what album covers are about. Um, The wonderful thing about this movie is it features interviews with genuinely famous people. I think Noel Gallagher of Oasis fame sums it up best when he observes that his kid doesn't even know what cover art is, least of all why anyone would pay for it or give a crap about it, which just tells you everything that's so sad about Generation Z. But, you know, in the good old days of prog rock, when drum solos could last half an hour and record companies were willing to pay for stadium bands to have the freedom and the money to create these amazing albums and the album cover Um, As Noel Gallagher once again puts it, album covers were the art of the masses. This was how people owned art, ordinary people. And if Noel's right and these album covers were art, then Hypnosis um, were basically the the most famous artists of the 60s and 70s. So the duo were basically a pair of students called Storm Thorgerson and Aubrey Poe Powell. They kind of seem to have fallen into the job by just taking a whole bunch of psychedelic drugs and being in the right place at the right time, partying with the right people. It's a sort of weird, wacky story that you cannot make up. Like, for instance, the way they first got their photographic equipment is they were living in a flat in London and Roman Polanski was shooting repulsion in the same apartment block and left some of his equipment behind. And that's kind of how they got their first lighting rig. So you, you follow this duo, incredibly creative, incredibly quirky, creating all these amazing album covers. And then you get to the sort of early 1980s and... You know, I guess it's the end of prog rock anyway, but you have the rise of MTV and suddenly the visual medium by which bands are going to communicate with their fans. Yes, it's still the album cover, but it's by far more the music video. And they tried to get into that, but it just ended up badly. It was a half-assed attempt. The financial situation was really murky and without record companies to underwrite some of their previous excesses, they got into trouble. But what a time they had. The, the documentary is created by the photographer and fiction feature director Anton Corbine, who created the masterful movie Control. He is the perfect person to do this because he is steeped in rock history. He's a phenomenal photographer himself. He understands the visual and creative arts. Um, what's really interesting is, is he chooses to shoot all the interviews in black and white. And so it's only the album covers themselves that are in glorious, vibrant, visceral colour. He does get interviews with everyone. The the kind of framing interview is with one half of Hypnosis, Poe, who's still alive. But they have a lot of footage of the contemporary, you know, late 60s, 70s with his partner as well. So you really get a feel that you have both sides of the story. You also get, as I said, contacts from Noel Gallagher, but you get new interviews with members of Pink Floyd, Led Zepp, Peter Gabriel. And I think that shows you 
how far they respected hypnosis as collaborators that they're willing to you know these are not people who are often interviewed but they're willing to sort of come out and really just show their love for what these people did and show you some of how those iconic album covers were created so what I would say is if you're a fan of rock music of a particular era even if you didn't really know much about the cover art this is really worth watching because it takes you down memory lane you get a lot of insight and it's a wonderful time that has sadly passed in rock history, but well worth documenting. And thank goodness Anton Corbine has created what I think is really a, a superb, superb music documentary. So Squaring the Circle, the story of hypnosis, has a running time of 101 minutes. It played Telluride 2022 and Sundance 2023 and was released in UK cinemas and streaming platforms last weekend. I really hope you check it out. It's It couldn't be further from Barbie, but it's such a fantastic film to watch. But whatever you're watching this weekend, and maybe you are watching the Barbieheimer combo, um, I hope you really have fun, and I'll speak to you soon with a review of Oppenheimer.